0: This morning I invite you to open your Bible to Matthew's Gospel chapter 7 and that's where the text will be today. Thank you for those leading our praise team as they led us today. Brother Andrew is out uh, sick today and Lindsay and Evie and Christy and so they uh, uh, lift them before the Lord. They're recovering and uh, uh, Lord willing they'll be back with us next week. God bless you. Thank you. I encourage you to find Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 7. You know, our Lord and Savior was a... He was a man in the flesh that lived and dwelt among us. But as a man, we find him as a, a great prayer warrior. He was a model of prayer. He practiced prayer. Can you imagine that Jesus, God in the flesh, our Lord and Savior had a desire and a need and, and a commitment to spend time with the Father in prayer. How much more do we need to be people of prayer? Amen. If you were to evaluate your prayer life today, how would you evaluate it? If you said, I'm on a scale of one to five, one, I just don't have much of a prayer life. To five, it's a very vibrant Personal prayer life that's ongoing and 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 where would you where would you rate your prayer life? How would you grade yourself? How would God grade where your prayer life is at? What do you pray for when you pray? How often do you pray? When do you pray? Heard about a Sunday school teacher was teaching a bunch of preschoolers one day and they were talking about prayer and the importance of prayer and when you pray and how you pray. And the teacher asked the class, he said, when do you all pray? And finally, one little child raised her hand and said, well, we pray in the morning. And somebody else said, well, when do you pray? He said, well, We pray at night before we go to bed. And one little boy, Jimmy, he he never did raise his hand. He said, well, Jimmy, do you pray at your house? He shook his head, no. He said, well, do you pray before you eat? He said, no, we don't have to. My mom's a good cook. And so uh, when do you pray? Do you feel confident that God is listening to your prayers? Does prayer matter? Is prayer important? Is God moved by your prayers? Does God help me when I pray? Prayer is essential to the life of a believer. It is your communication with God. It's it's God is speaking to you through his word. God is speaking to you by his Holy Spirit that dwells in you. But when you are talking with God, God is also speaking with you. If you're in a relationship with somebody and you never talk, the relationship is not a good, healthy relationship. And so prayer is this communication, the this gift that God has given us. And Jesus modeled it. He would often find places alone to prayer, spend the whole night in prayer. The disciples, when they listened to Jesus, they didn't say, teach us how to teach. They didn't say, teach us how to witness. They didn't say, teach us how to preach. But they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Today's text is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. And Jesus teaches us how to pray, our Father who art in heaven, in chapter number 6 but in chapter number seven he's exhorting us to pray and we need to look at this exhortation and find three keys for us in understanding this relationship with god in prayer and you know this text look with me to chapter six seven beginning with verse seven ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock And the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. To one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Father, teach us to pray. Father, move in our hearts so that we began to ask and to seek and to knock and to trust you. Father, change us from our arrogance and pride and self-dependence to becoming dependent upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Three points to this sermon. Number one, pray. Number two, believe. Number three, do. Pray, believe, do. Say those with me. Pray, believe, Say it again. Pray, believe, do. Now we can go home. In verse number seven and eight, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. This is about praying. He says, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Why ask? And how should I ask? You might ask yourself, well, why should I ask? God already knows what I need. Well, notice in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning with verse number 6. And when you pray, go into your private room. He said, don't pray like the hypocrites. They love to stand in the synagogues and on the streets corners to be seen by men. No, I'm telling you, they've already got their reward. Don't pray like that. He said, but when you pray, go into your private room or your closet And shut your door and pray to your father who's in secret, and your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. He said, when you pray, make it personal. When you pray, make sure it's also private. You know there's something really wrong when you worry more about your public praying than your private praying. And in your private praying, connect with the Father, and your Father will meet you there and hear you there. And when you pray, don't pray not only like the hypocrites in the synagogues, but don't pray like the Gentiles do. This is what they do in verse 7, and he says, when you pray, don't babble and carry on like Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. He said, don't go on, pray loudly and babble all these many words thinking that God's going to be impressed by your words. He's not. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. Hey, you know what? Can I tell you something? When you pray, you're not informing God about anything. He already knows. But you're having conversation with him about this matter. Did you know that your father knows what you need even before you ask him? That's why he says, don't be anxious. He said, don't live in anxiety like the rest of the world. Look in chapter number number six, verse number 32. He said, don't be filled with anxiety. The Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, but your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see, you've got a loving father that already knows all of your needs. Can somebody say, praise God? And you know what? When you're talking with him, he already knows that need. But he does a work in you as you depend on him in prayer. Amen. Amen. Don't treat God like he's some giant cosmic vending machine. And you've got to punch all the right buttons to get him to do what you want. That's not prayer. First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 11 says. Seek the Lord in his strength. Sink his face always. Why? Because he chose you. You are his. Hosea chapter 14 verse 1. Israel. Return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled in your iniquity, and take words of repentance with you, and return to the Lord, and say to him, forgive all our iniquity, and accept what is good, so that we may repay you with praise from our lips. Assyria cannot save. Our strength cannot save us. Our works cannot provide what we need. Our hope is in you. He's he's reminding us, the prophet Hosea, when you come to God, come honestly, come boldly, and come with your sin and confess it to God and get honest about it and say, God in heaven, we need you. We've made a mess of our lives. It's time for us to wake up and be a people of prayer. He wants you. He wants a relationship with you. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. He told them a parable on the need for them to pray always. Pray how often? Always. And not give up. Say it with me. And not what? Not give up. There needs to be tenacity in your prayer. Ephesians, we just read, chapter 6, verse 18, Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance for intercession for the saints. We are to ask and keep on asking. That's what Jesus said. Now, why should we ask? Well, this is the practical part, so stay with me. Why should we ask? Number one, because when we ask, it demonstrates our dependence on God. It acknowledges, secondly, his authority. I'm in the position of asking. He's in the position of authority. So I come to the one in authority and I ask. Not only do I come to one in a position of authority when I ask, I'm coming To ask of the one who has ability. Because I do not have ability. He has all ability. There's no shortage of power with him. I ask because my confidence does not rest in me. It rests in him. And I ask because my trust is in him. He's a good God. How many of y'all believe God is good? And he's all powerful. He is good to us. Now, how do I ask? I'm glad you ask. Number one, you ask humbly. You don't march in there like a spoiled little kid. You ask humbly. God is opposed to the proud, but gives what? Grace, grace to whom? The humble. humble. Folks, I don't want to put myself in the position of opposition, but of Grace. So I come humbly before his throne. Secondly, I come boldly. I come boldly because I don't come in my righteousness. I come in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I don't come because of my goodness. I've come because of the goodness of Jesus. I come because Jesus has paid the price of all of my sin. And Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And because Jesus, when he died, the atoning death on the cross the veil in the temple was torn in sin asunder and from the top to the bottom and we have access to a holy god through jesus christ not my righteousness but his hallelujah his authority his position and he ever lives to make intercession for us I come reverently. I come in Jesus' name. Jesus' name is not some magic formula tag that you put at the end of your prayer. It's how you enter into the very presence of God. I enter in the name, the name of Jesus. I come reverently hear people say flippant little things like, well, I had a little talk with a big man upstairs. Shut your mouth. He's gone. And you approach him in the name of Jesus. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen? Come persistently. Well, I just don't want to bug God that much. You, you think your little prayers are going to outbug God? Come trustingly. You trust in him. He loves you. He wants what's best for your life. What do you ask for when you pray? I'm going to talk a little bit about the rhythm of my prayer life. I think that you need to pray for yourself. I hear people say, Well, I just don't like to pray for myself. Well, that's about the most arrogant thing I've ever heard. You do pray for yourself. You come before God and say, God, my walk with you isn't quite where it ought to be. God, I know that I've sinned and failed. God, I know my attitude stinks. God, that woman just bugs the fire out of me. God, I, I, there's something wrong with me because she's bugging me. I know that must be sin in me. God, my life's not pure. I haven't the purest thoughts. God, I need your strength. God, I need to be a greater witness to what Jesus has done for me, to lost friends. God, my attitude hasn't been right. God, my, I am so, by the way, when I'm talking about attitude, I am so sick and tired of everybody posting their bad attitude on Facebook. That is sin. Just stop it. When I read somebody's rant on Facebook, it says more about the person ranting than it does the people they're talking about. Why don't you go to God in prayer? That's, That's just for free. I just put that in there for free this morning. Not only pray about yourself, pray about your family. I'm telling you, if there's a man... Everybody in this house today that's married, would you uh, and a man would you, if you have any question about it, I'll tell you later it, Everybody who's a man and married, would you please raise your hand. I want to see you. Then you need to be praying for your wife regularly. Did you know when you don't live with your wife in an understanding way, and when you're not praying for you, that you're sinning against God? And your prayers are hindered because you're not living it outright with God? Every one of you need to be standing in the gap and praying for your wife. Amen. Now, how many of you are married in here and you're married to a husband? Raise your hand. You need to be praying for your husband. How many of here have a parent that's living? Raise your hand. You need to be praying for your parent. How many of y'all have children? Raise your hand. You need to be standing in the gap praying for your your children. How many of you have grandchildren? Raise your hand. You need to be praying for those grandchildren by name. How many of you have great-grands? Raise your hand. I'm going to stop eventually. You need to be praying for them. Listen, the enemy wants to destroy their life. All of hell is assaulting our family. And it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to wake up yes, Lord. and be the people of God. And pray. You need to pray for your community group. You need to pray for his kingdom. You need to pray for the church of Jesus Christ. You need to pray for your local church. You need to pray for God's will to be done On earth as it is in heaven. You need to be praying for missionaries that are on the field. Other ministries. We're not competing with each other. We're all trying to carry the gospel. We need to pray that. How many of you know somebody that's lost without Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. And you need to be praying that they'll be saved. They can't save themselves. God has to do that work in their life. You need to pray for your daily needs. I spend time praying for all of these categories I'm just listing. You need to pray for your daily needs. Give us this day what? Our daily bread. bread. Pray for the daily needs in your life. You need to forgive us what? As we forgive forgive our debts. We need to pray for forgiveness. Our own and others. Amen. We need to be praying. Ask. Secondly, seek. And keep on seeking. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. You will seek for the Lord your God and you will find him when you seek him with all your heart and all your what? Soul. Soul. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. Did you know God's listening? He's listening to you. Tell your neighbor, God's listening to you. He is. Verse 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I'm afraid that so many of us half-heartedly search. You know when you half-heartedly search? You half-heartedly search when the thing you're searching for isn't that valuable. But you wholeheartedly search when you search for something of value. It's the passionate pursuit. Now there's something mysterious in the universe. And that's when you put two socks in the washer and the dryer. And one sock comes out. I'd like to figure that out someday. I hate losing one of those socks, but the, the house is not burning down if I lose a sock. I hate it when I lose one glove. It's just worthless in the wintertime. I've got one glove, not two. Boy, do I hate it when I lose my keys. But that doesn't compare to losing a child. Years ago, Christy and I, our first grandchild, Brooke. We went to Cincinnati to visit Andy and them, and uh, Andy and his little family, and they just had one child, was Brooke, and she was just uh, like two years old or so, and they let us take her to the Children's Museum, and I don't know how it happened, but Christy and I were, there were kids everywhere, and they were playing in this big jungle gem deal and all of a sudden we couldn't find Brooke Christy had a panic she said it's the first time they let her watch let us watch her and we've lost her and so we were searching for her What are you seeking for Knock And keep on knocking. This is praying. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a story of a judge. In verse number one, he says, and two, he tells this parable. And he tells a parable so that we would pray and not give up. And there was a judge, he talked about, who didn't fear God or respect men, respect people. And there was a widow in that town, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my adversary, And the judge, even though Jesus in the parable says, did not fear God or respect men, said I'm going to give her what she wants, otherwise she's going to wear me out, exhaust me, and she's ruining my reputation. Actually, it says she's giving me a black eye, she's beating me, she's pummeling me until I give her what she asks for. He said, if this evil judge so responds to this woman, won't God grant to his elect? Won't he take care of his own children? The argument is from a lesser, from, a, from the evil to the good. He's saying, if God is not like that judge at all, he's just the opposite of that. And God in heaven will provide what you need. Don't give up in your praying. Hmm. Tells a similar story in Luke's gospel, chapter number 11, verse 58. It's nighttime. Remember the story. I'll just tell it. And there's this nighttime, and and this man has a guest who comes to him late at night. He has nothing to feed him. He goes to his friend at night. He knocks on the door, and he said, give me some bread because I'd have nothing to give. This guest that has come to my house late at night, and he said, We're already in bed. Everybody's asleep. And for me to get up now, I'd wake up the whole house. But because he keeps asking, the friend gets up and gives him what he needs. God is greater than that in his love for you. Ask, seek, keep on knocking. And the door will be opened unto you. Why? Because he's for you. Tell your neighbor, he's for you. He loves you. Now, why be persistent? Well, Brother Tim, I've asked once and God didn't answer. You tired? You think you make God tired? You've got, you got a weak view of God. Let me tell you what persistence does. Importunity in prayer. It changes you. When you stand in the gap for Almighty God and you pray and you keep on praying, you ask, you keep on asking, you seek, you keep on seeking, you knock, you keep on knocking, it changes you. It transforms you. It examines you. It examines your heart. Yes, it examines your desires. It examines your motives. It examines your fears. And it tests your faith. Yes, Lord. Ask. So the first point was what? Pray. Say it out loud. Second believe. Verse number nine, look at our text. And who among you, if a son ask him for bread, will give him a stone? If your little grandchild comes to you and says, Papa can I have a snack. I'm not gonna give him bread. I'm I'm not gonna give him a stone. If they ask you for fish, something to eat, would you give them a snake? No. It's because he said, that if you being evil know how to give your... Notice what he says. If you who are evil, that's us. He calls us evil. We are. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You need to trust in a good God. Tell your neighbor, God is good. He is. How many of y'all believe that? He's a loving Father. Secondly, trust in Jesus. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Listen, he is a good, he is a good Savior. He is a good intercessor. He is our Lord and King. He is a good God and we have a good Savior That's why it says in John's gospel, chapter 15, he says in verse number five, I am the vine, you are the branches, he that abides in me and I in him. The same brings forth what? Much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. And so apart from him, we can do nothing. He is a good God, Savior, and he is with us, and he produces fruit in us. And in verse number seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Listen, listen, the Lord takes care of us. He is with us. We need to trust in his power. In Mark's gospel, chapter 11, an interesting story takes place. Jesus is coming from Bethany to Jerusalem and as he's on his way from Bethany to Jerusalem he sees a fig tree along the way. You know the story. And the fig tree was in leaf, even though it wasn't quite the season for figs. But if it has leaves, it should have figs. And he goes to the fig tree hungrily looking for figs. And when he looks through the leaves, he finds no leaves. I mean, no figs, only leaves. That's a hypocrite tree. And Jesus makes a point. That's just like Israel. Because Israel has lots of leaves, but no fruit. And he cursed the tree. The next morning, early, as he's making his way from Bethany back to Jerusalem, the disciples comment on the tree because it is withered and dried up and dead from the root. And it's the very tree that Jesus cursed. And you know what Jesus says? Have faith in God. You know, my friends, what God wants you to do is to have faith in him. Trust in him. Matthew twenty-one, twenty-one says, And if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Wow. Now, always that promise assumes we're praying in the will of God. Amen. But my friends, there's power in prayer. Trust in his presence. James chapter number one. Look with me in verse number five. You have your Bible? James chapter one and verse number five. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Anybody need some wisdom about something in your life? Ask God. Now notice, who gives to all how? How? generously, and what? Ungrudgingly. Means he doesn't hold back. He wants to answer. And it will be given to him. But, listen to what James says, let him ask how? How's it say? Let him ask how? In faith. Without doubting for the doubters like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind that sh- person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded and unstable in all his ways you need to pray in in faith trust in his presence He's with you. He gives. He's with you right now in the circumstances you face in your life. He's there. Call to him and he will answer you. And he gives to you. 1 John chapter number 5 and verse number 14. First John chapter 5 verse number 14. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that if he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Woo! Isn't that a great prayer promise? Amen. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 21. Dear friends, if our hearts... Don't condemn us. We have confidence where? Before whom? With God. Confidence. And receive whatever we ask from Him because we keep His commandments and do what's pleasing in His sight. Wow. Now, this is his command, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way, and, and the way we know that he remains in us, us is from the spirit he's given us. Amen. Wow. He's present with us. He's answering prayer. He's changing our lives. Man, what a great gift prayer is. Finally, what's the last point? You forgot already? What's the last point? Do You didn't forget. Now that seems odd, doesn't it? In this text, in Matthew's gospel, it seems like this doesn't quite fit. No, notice what he says in chapter number 7. He says, ask and will be given to you. Seek and you will find. And then verse 8, everyone who asks receives. One who seeks finds. One who knocks, the door will be opened. And then verse 9, 10, and 11, he said, if your son asks you, for bread, would you give him a stone? He asked you for fish, would you give him a steak? No, you her are evil, know how to give good things. How much more will your father? But then this verse, verse 12. Whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. And some have said, well, that just comes to be, seems to be a standalone verse. Oh, no, 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 no. No, it doesn't. Because look with me back to verse 12. Look again. Verse 12. Therefore. Do you know what therefore it means? Therefore is connecting what he just said to that verse. Therefore. What he's saying is. Ask. And you believe. Then do it. Do what? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. That means love people. uh, Some have misread this verse and said, well, don't do to somebody what you don't want them to do to you. That's not what it says. It says do what you want done to you. Wow. Wow. That's much different. This is what you do. Forgive other people. Love people. Now, Jesus said, right in the context of prayer, chapter number six, get your Bible, come on. Chapter number six, when he finishes the Lord's prayer, He goes right into this. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. One. Verse 14. For if you forgive others' offenses, the Heavenly Father will forgive you as well. If you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your offenses. Forgive. Verse number 17. He's remind, and I mean, uh, verse, uh, verse number fifteen. He says, "If you don't, your father will not forgive." Look with me to John's Gospel, chapter number fifteen, in verse number nine. As the fathers loved me, I've also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 12 This is my command love one another as I have loved you. Wow. Verse 17 This is what I command you love one another. Forgive other people, love other people. Show mercy. Has God shown you mercy? Who here in this room today, God has shown you mercy and forgiveness in your life? Then you show mercy. There's power in your prayer life when you are living out the principle of loving others, forgiving others, showing mercy, and loving genuinely. Amen? And That's the royal law. And when you love, do that. Forgive others. Show mercy. Love genuinely. So what are the three points of today's message? Pray. That's right. How do we love? But Brother Tim, you don't know the people I have to deal with. That's true. You do know the people I have to deal with. (laughs) So how do we love? Let me say this. You don't have the capacity to love without the supernatural work of God in your life. The Bible says we love because what he first loved us. The most powerful force in all of creation is love. And that's why Jesus links it to prayer. It's doing what we say. It's the most powerful force in creation. And we didn't deserve his love. Did we deserve his love? No. The Bible says while we were yet, what? Christ did what? That's how God proved his love. He demonstrated his love for you. And we've all sinned. How I many of you all agree? we all sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. But love transforms us. Christ died for what? Our what? Sins, according to the scripture. He was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scripture. God loved you with an everlasting love. And you can love sinners because God loved you. God forgave you. And God changed you. And God's made you into the likeness of his son. And you can love ugly, sinful, mean people. And it's powerful. Now, sometimes it's tested. Yesterday, I'm in Edwardsville and there's a big old truck pulls up behind me. Four by four, huge, giant truck big tires, lift package, loud, young adult, angry male driving. The shortest measurable time in the universe is from the moment it turns red to green because people lay on their horn. And so then I'm driving and I'm not quite sure where I'm going. and I'm looking for the street signs And he got annoyed and laid on his big horn on my bumper. And when I turned, I hope it was none of you. When I turned, he gave me a hand gesture you may be familiar with. And he flipped me the bird. Now, was my first reaction to love him nope but my second was and I said there father there goes a sinner that you love down the road I don't know what's going on but obviously he's got problems I pray father that you do a work in his heart That changed the whole thing in my mind at that moment. Chris Singleton is a professional baseball player in the minor leagues with the Chicago Cubs. Chris Singleton grew up in Charleston, South Carolina And his grandmother was Sharonda Coleman Singleton. And she and eight others were murdered at a church prayer meeting several years ago by Dylan Roof, you remember this? He came into the prayer meeting on a Wednesday night And while they were taking prayer requests and prayer needs, he turned a gun and killed nine African-American people in a prayer meeting. At his bond hearing, Nadine Collier, the mother of Ethel Collier, said in a face-to-face confrontation in the courtroom, I forgive you. And I'm praying for you. She said, you took something precious from me, and I'll never talk to my mom again. But I forgive you. And may the Lord have mercy on your soul. Chris Singleton was playing ball, and God broke into his heart and he said, You've got to forgive him. And I knew it was something greater than all of us at work in me. And God was strengthening me and healing me, and I forgave. This baseball player said, forgiveness is tougher and stronger than holding a grudge. It takes more courage to forgive than to say, I'll hold on to this forever. Forgiveness liberates evil's hold and helps you rest in God's amazing grace. Pray, believe, do. And there's power in that kind of life. Amen? Father in heaven, I thank you for your word. It's powerful, it's true, it's transforming. And I pray that today that we'll be encouraged by these words and this exhortation of our Savior. If there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ as Savior, I pray that today they might turn from sin and trust in Christ and experience the amazing grace that only you can give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.